Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. Our scripture that we began with last week. This week we just want to build on what it is that God began to speak to us about last week. And I'm grateful to the, God, to the Lord that um, sweet incense has set the tone for us. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This was the emphasis of our discourse last week. And I said to you last week that this conclusion or this question that Jesus was asking here was based on a discussion that began in chapter 17, which was speaking about the end of the age and his return as the Son of Man. And if you were here last week, I tried to show us that uh, one of the major burdens in the heart of God is the desire to find men in the earth that will co-labor with him to see his agenda fulfilled upon the face of the earth. So it means that, like I was saying to us last week, it is possible for God to have an agenda in his heart. It is possible for God to have something that he desires to express in the visible realm. And because he cannot find a man in the visible realm to partner with him, that agenda can be suspended. It can be suspended. God will not totally wipe out the agenda. He will just suspend it until a man comes that is willing to pay the price of alignment that allows him to be a recipient of the burden of the Lord in his heart. Because once that burden comes into your heart, that burden will totally alter your life. So when such a man comes by that is willing to suffer the possible alterations that the burden of God will occasion in their lives, such a man now becomes an excuse for the agenda of God to find expression in the earth. So every time you see some God doing something great, you see God manifesting himself. You see the purposes of God being established in the earth. It is a consequence of a collusion in the realm of the spirit between the will of God and the consecration of man. Once man consecrates himself to God, then the will of God has a platform on which to rest such that what is in the heart of God can now be visible in the realm of men. And the way God communicates his purposes, communicates his will, communicates his plan, communicates his desires, I said a primary language for that communication is what is called the burden of the Lord. And we said that the burden of the Lord can be a weight God puts a weight upon your spirit. Just like Moses, like we saw last week, Moses cried out, Why have you afflicted me? A burden can be so intense, it will rob you of every satisfaction that you have in the visible realm. You will suddenly find out that the things you used to enjoy before are no longer attractive to you. Because the burden, like I said, it will alter your life. It will totally shift you. So the various things that many in your generation enjoy, the things that many in your generation pursue, will lose attraction to you. That's what happened to John the Baptist, like we saw last week. 
John the Baptist, a young man, entitled to marry, entitled to live a good life, entitled to be ordained a priest after the order of his father. But yet, all of those things seemed to him like they were not important, not relevant, and he went into the wilderness. And if you read that scripture carefully and you do not pay attention to it, you will think that it is just when John wanted to start ministry that he went into the wilderness. The Bible says he was in the wilderness until the day of Israel. Until the day of Israel. Sometimes a burden will not immediately make you visible. And it's even possible that a burden will never make you visible. The goal of God to give you a burden is not to make you visible. It's to make you functional. It's to bring you into alignment so that you can fulfill your God-given destiny. That's the goal of a body. Because without a burden, like I said to us last week, you will waste your life. So what God does with a burden is all of a sudden he brings meaning to your existence. So that everything that is happening to you will now begin to make sense. Some of you don't know why you are going through certain things you are going through because God has not communicated to you. You don't know why your life is the way it is. You don't know why you, you don't like the same things that people like. You don't know why certain things to you are not comfortable. Everybody might find it interesting, but you don't. And you've not been able to interpret your life correctly because the communications of God are still closed to you. But John was able to interpret his life accurately that even his diet was affected by the communications of God. His diet. His dress code. People might have looked at him and said he looks like a madman. But he was reflecting what had happened in his spirit. His dressing was occasioned by a body. A body. So if you saw him and you said to John, you are suffering, he will be, he will be feeling sorry for you. Because to you, he is suffering because you, you, you have not received a communication from God. But to him, he was living his best life. Because the best thing that can happen to anyone who is connected to God is to know why you were created and fulfill it before you die. Best thing. Best thing. So John's life is not described in quantity. John's life is described, described in quality. The quality of his life was so rich that Jesus announced to his generation that of men born of a woman, no prophet has risen that is as great as John the Baptist. And the funny thing about the life of John the Baptist is in his prophetic ministry, he never raised the dead. No blind eye opened. His message was the simplest you can find in scripture. Repent. He was not a deep teacher. In fact, when Jesus appeared on the scene, he didn't say, I want to open the Agrippa. I want to do, let's, let's, let's ascend. He just simply said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was so effective in his preaching that one of his disciples, two of his disciples heard him point and they immediately left him and followed Jesus. John the Baptist did not get angry and said, you are leaving this grace, I'm going to curse you. No. He didn't get angry. 
Because he knew that his calling is that immediately the Messiah appears. His calling is that he will decrease. He will become irrelevant. And the one who he came to forerun will become magnified. John was not afraid to lose relevance. He had no hold on the people besides the body. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. So the minute he finished his job and the Messiah had showed up, John had no need to be alive anymore. He had finished. So the girl that thought that she disgraced him, she didn't know she set him free. I've heard preachers say that John was so weak that they took his head and put it on a platter. He had finished his assignment. He was no longer necessary. And when you have finished, how you die is not as, as important as how you arrive. Hmm. How you arrive in glory is more important to God than how you die here. Your death here is not, is not, is not, uh, is not important because mortality will be swallowed up. In immortality. So great men like Stephen, they were stoned to death. Some of the great apostles that we read of, their death was so gory, so bloody, so shameful. Even Jesus. At that time, the epitome of shame in death was to be hung on the cross. But the Bible says, for the glory that was set before him. He endured the death of the cross. A burden will alter your life. When I meet a Christian that does not have principles that govern the way they live, when I meet a Christian that does not know how to make contact with this world and guarantee that there is no contamination, when I meet such believers, I realize that they are loose canons. There is no reference in the realm of God that has put a yoke on their neck. Such that they tell themselves consistently, I can't watch this. I can't go there. For me, this is not how they do relationships. Unashamedly. When you meet such people, you will know that there is no burden. And you see, brethren, I've been around a while. I'm still learning the ways of God. God sees my heart that I'm, I'm a student on this journey. I'm still learning the ways of God. But in the few syllabuses that I have been taught and the little things that I know, sometimes God does not withhold the communication of the body from you because he's wicked. He knows you are not ready. He knows you will not obey the dictates of what that body will demand. He knows you will not obey. That by the time that burden wants to begin to alter your life, and to direct you in a certain way, you will not respond. But the way many Christians are shaped right now in the spirit is that there is so much lost in their heart that if God were to demand even the basic things from them, they will not obey. So right now we don't have young people who the Lord is appearing to and telling them to be missionaries. Almost everybody is seeing themselves traveling abroad. Is it that God has run out of such downloads in heaven? Nobody wants to be a missionary anymore. Because the truth is that we, are not, we have not, the church in Nigeria and in the rest of the world is not raising Christians 
to be able to meet the demand of God. And that's why Jesus was asking this question. He said, will he really find faith in the earth? Hmm. Will he really find faith in the earth? And you see, this thing, this is where I want to build tonight. There are two critical matters that Jesus raises here. First one is that guaranteed the Son of Man will return. Oh, preach to your neighbor. Preach to your neighbor. Say the Son of Man, Son of Man. Will, return. will return. Oh, glory to God. He didn't say nevertheless if the Son of Man comes. He says when. That means whether you like it or not, he's coming. Then he raises another critical issue is that will he find faith on the earth? So these two things are critical to what we want to discuss today because if Jesus is asking such a question, it means that this is a burden in the heart of God. This is a matter. Because apart from the beautiful things that Jesus showed us in revealing the Father, one of the things that the life of Jesus did for us, it was to show us the burdens of God. One, you study the life of Jesus, you will see that God is burdened for the lost. Oh, Jesus comes to a place and crowds gather and he's dead. He says they look to him like sheep without shepherd. He now begins to say, please, pray the God of the harvest that he will send laborers into the field. There's a burden in the heart of God for the lost. When God sees men wandering in destiny, going through the wilderness, his heart breaks. God bleeds for those who have already condemned themselves and made a pact with Satan to be the enemies of God. God cannot change the fact that he will judge men who refuse Jesus. But he's, he's, he's hoping that in your pilgrimage upon the face of the earth, you will accept the love of Jesus. He's hoping. So everything God does is like a setup. To show you his love. Show you his mercy. Why is he showing you his love and his mercy? Because if you reject those two, you guarantee that you will be a candidate of his judgment. His burden for the lost. He's compassionate towards the sick. Read scriptures. So Jesus, God doesn't use sickness to punish his children. James says, let no man say when he's tested that he's tempted of the Lord. God cannot use sickness to punish you. Say, I, I, I want to punish you with sickness. No. What happens is, God can, can decide that he will not intervene. The one who does the sickness, the one who initiates the process, is Satan. But the reason people look to God and say, God, why are you doing this? Is because if God wanted to intervene, he can. When the matter of Job came up in the council in heaven... Was it God that was punishing Job? Who was doing the thing? Satan. What God just simply did was that God just stepped aside. He said, I will not intervene. I will not intervene. I will not intervene. But God will never use evil God to train a child of God. 
So when Jesus saw the sick, the Bible will say he was moved to compassion. One story that strikes my heart was the story of Jesus at the grave of Lazarus. The Bible says that when he stood there, the Bible says Jesus wept. Oh! And then the people who were standing by, they looked at him and they said, Oh! How he loved him. Jesus wept. He wept. See how he loved him. Tears fell from his eyes. So if you look at the life of Jesus, you will see the burden of God. And in this place, he was communicating two critical things on the heart of the Father. One, the Son of Man will return. Two, when he comes, he's going to be looking for something critically. What will he be looking for? Faith. Help me, Holy Ghost. He is going to return and then he is going to be looking for something critically. Will he really, will he find? You don't start finding. This, this, the matter of finding does not become uh, important unless there is seeking. Are you with me? For the Bible tells us that it is the one that asks that what? The one that knocks the door is what? The one that what? Seeks. Finds. So his matter of finding here means that there is a burden in the heart of the Lord that he's going to be seeking faith in the earth when he returns. And this seeking here that Jesus will be doing speaks about the great harvest. It's called an ingathering. Those of you who are students of the Bible, you will see that there are metaphors used to describe the kingdom. That show you that at the end, eh, there is going to be a harvest. While men slept, the enemy, his enemy came and sowed tars. He said, no, don't approve the tars. Let them do what? Grow together. He says, at the end of the age, the angels will come. And then all the harvests will be conducted. And then there will be a separation. The wheat will be separated from the tars. The tars will be burnt up. The great thing that the Bible says that the time will come that everybody will line up before him. He will separate the sheep from the goats. So a great harvest is coming. A great harvest is coming. And the reason Jesus introduces this as he's talking to his disciples is that what then is the consequence of me revealing this burden to you? Is so that you will be prepared. If you know what is on the heart of God, what God expects from you is that you will respond accordingly in preparation. I sense that the Lord is heavily burdened right now. The average Christian is not, re is not preparing for his coming. The average Christian is not preparing to ensure that when Jesus comes seeking, he will be one of those bearing feet. The average Christian is not preparing. You see, the average Christian is consumed with this world. Consumed with this realm. Consumed with the desires of this world. It's a sickness. And you see, 
I, I feel for Christians that are growing up in this generation because you can be around the Christian space right now for 10 years and they will never remind you about the second coming. You check it now. The messages you have heard from January, this is September, before we blink our eyes and open it, 2023 is gone. Which one have you heard that is preparing you to bear the banner of faith? Hmm. How many? And you see, Jesus was deliberate here. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find men that have been preparing themselves for his coming? And you see, I'm not against you planning your life in this realm. I'm not against you getting a job. I'm not against you paying rent and living in a good house. Eh? But if all you are doing is securing yourself in this realm and you are not preparing for his return, I assure you, you will not be able to survive when he returns. And you see, dear brothers and sisters, one day I was just reading scriptures, enjoying the Bible. And then the Holy Ghost began to tell me, he says, son, do you understand that everything that happens in the Bible, when I allow the stories of men to be told in scriptures, is because I'm trying to show you how either how a pilgrim is supposed to live or how a pilgrim is not supposed to live. So those things are not just stories to excite you. Jesus is using the lives of men to show us that man in this realm is a temporary resident. Man in this realm is a temporary resident. And everything we are doing here is dress rehearsal. The real thing begins when we die. Everything that is happening in this room. So, if you were here when I talked about dinner, no time to go over that again. I'll just run through something. If you were here when I spoke about dinner, I told you that dinner is a shape. She reveals to us what, what we call a bored Christian. A Christian suffering from the affliction of boredom. Bottom. You see, I hear in circles in the body of Christ, eh, don't make Christianity boring. Which, which brand of Christianity did you receive? That your own is boring, that you need to add something to it to spice it. It's not a goosey soup. It's life. It's life. You don't need to spice it to make it interesting. Except what you received, the software you received is not Holy Ghost. I... The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. So how can I have the Holy Ghost and I'm looking for something to spice it? What brand of Christianity did you receive? You see, we, can, we, can, we, can, we, are, we are dealing with young people for God's sake. Young people need to be, they need to be, they need to be kept excited. Ah, ah. Oh my God. 
The young people that met Jesus in the 80s, it was just Holy Ghost they received. And they were drunk with fresh wine. They didn't need any excitement. They didn't need the dances of the world. They did not need the movies of the world. They just needed scriptures. They could sit in Bible study for hours. And they are not tired. Now we are teaching young people that uh, services are too long. That people have attention span disorders. That if a service, just go to church good conferences, you will know that we lost the Holy Ghost years ago. That if a service exceeds one hour, 30 minutes, you will lose the people. Oh God, what are you teaching? If the problem is not with what you are teaching, the people that are sitting in the congregations, which Holy Ghost did they receive? Which one? That there is no hunger for God. There is no desperation to know Him. We need to pamper the Christians we are raising now. Please, they are fragile. They are like egg. Carry them like egg. Carry them like egg. Ah! People get born again, then we need to release bosses to go and be bringing them from their hostel. Say there is no boss, they won't come. Hey, God, which Jesus are we marketing to a generation? Which Jesus are we selling? Is it the same Jesus that people met and they said they loved not their lives? Even unto death. The Christians we are raising now are so fragile. Lack can make them deny Jesus. Pain can make them deny Jesus. Food that they don't have food to eat, it can make them deny Jesus. And you see, I feel sorry for this generation. I don't blame the generation completely because just go around our church buildings. See the menu that is being served. And dear brother, you will weep. People are not being prepared to raise the banner of faith when Jesus comes. And when he says, will he really find faith on the earth? What is he saying? What is faith? Absolute trust in the Lord. Absolute trust. Some Christians don't even believe that God will raise them from the dead. Christians don't believe that if they die in this realm, it's not the end of their lives. If you believe, you will not be afraid of death. If you believe, you know that if hunger kills you, it kills you. I will not compromise because of hunger. And you see, this is why the Lord is putting a burden upon us now. That we must prepare men. Because he's coming. Hmm. And you know the painful thing about this thing is that before he comes, two things have struck my heart that the Bible speaks about. One is the beginning of sorrows. Two is the great tribulation. I am an One is what? Number two is what? If you don't prepare. Be praying for me to get used to this thing because <laughs> I need it right now. If you don't prepare 
for these two things when the son of man comes is likely you will not be among those where the bible says he will find faith in the earth so you look at people's pilgrimage in scriptures dinner the bible says she decided to go and see the daughters of the land and i showed you when we read that scripture that abraham had set up a, an altar to elohim israel but dina felt that that kind of matter was not satisfactory enough she wanted to see the the entertainment she wanted to participate in the things that were happening in the land when they got to the land, Genesis 33, 20, he erected an altar, Abraham, and there, there, and called it El Elohi Israel, the God of Israel. Because he knew he was in a strange land. He introduced his children to God. But Dina felt there must be something more. So you, 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 you go to church growth conferences and they talk about things like seeker-friendly service let's make it let's make it attractive so that people who who normally we go to club will come to church so what we're actually building is a club but with the label of christianity and don't be angry with me you know if you're angry with me i can't help you huh? just be angry and angry and angry but I, I can only teach truth. This thing I'm saying now, you just check it. Go to some places. There are a lot of worship and praise meetings that happen in our city, for instance. Just go there and sit down. Eh? And that day, just try to be carnal, be an observer. Hmm? And check. From beginning to end. Dances that are in carnal, sexual, erotic videos eh? will be on display for free. Eh? And if they are the real people who, are, who claim that they are doing evangelism for the lost, eh? the real culprits themselves, the ones that Satan has taken a hold of their lives, but they are pretending they are serving Jesus. If they are the real people, you will now hear songs, erotic songs from the world. They brought it to the altar, but they removed some things and put Jesus inside. Hmm? I saw one who um, he is popular for doing praise and worship. And there was one song that time about Amaka, Amaka, Amaka. I know you know it. Hmm? He got high in praise and he entered that song. I expected that the pilgrims in the church will stop. I said, wait a minute. You know what? They joined him. It was a sweet moment. I'm trying. You know, I don't know the songs, but help me now, somebody. Help me. <laughs> don't worry. I will not use it against you. I know it has to do with Amaka, not they take money, or Amaka, not they do. Eh? Amaka, not they disappoint. Eh? 
Amaka disappoint. Uh -huh. Yes. The video is available, and I'm sure if I get to Joshua, because Joshua sent me that video, if I remember. If I get to him, we can find it. And he delved into it, and the entire church of Jubilation, you know why? The Christian thinks that he is bored. And he needs some form of entertainment to make his Christian life interesting. Our ancestors, the entertainment they had was Bible study and prayer. That's all. When they wanted to be entertained, they entered their closet. And they do libros. They will climb. When they come out, they come out like Moses. Their faces shining. Some of them sat with scriptures nine hours. Then a revelation will hit their spirit. They will run out of the room. I was listening to Dr. Paul Enetcher's wife. She was describing him one day. And she said that one day, Dr. Paul Enetcher studied scriptures. And then it was like smoke was coming from his clothes like this. I'm quoting what I heard. Smoke was coming from his chest like this. Scriptures. That that man you see sometimes when he's standing on the pulpit, he has not eaten for days. He can lock himself in his study with the word. My generation is looking for entertainment. And you know the consequence of that thing is a generation will be raped. The consequence of Dina's boredom is that she was raped. Do you know what she was raped of? Her virtue. Her virtue was taken. And in Israel, if you know why Jacob's sons were so angry in ancient Israel, a woman was only as valued as her virginity. You take her virginity, you have taken her life. In the whole society, she's looked down on. That's why he's looking as if this is our generation. When you put us side by side with other generations, it looks as if we are the most blessed, yet we are the least effective. Men are standing in the pulpit preaching a gospel that is raping a generation of virtue. So small pressure, small pressure, a boy of 22 is, has borrowed money from 25 bank apps. Small pressure. When you ask him, how did you get to this point? He said, uh, I needed money. And this is somebody that claims that he knows Jesus. You know why? We are raising a generation that does not have the tensile strength to suffer lack. And you know, the consequence of that thing is, I'm about to show you something. The consequence of that thing is that when the Lord comes, he will not find faith. Many will deny Jesus. Small lack you have borrowed here, borrowed here, borrowed here. 25 bank apps now you are running. 
You have 82 identities. You are Miss Pretty, Pretty Mrs. You have all kinds of aliases. Hiding in the e-space. Because you could not control your appetite. Go and check. What did they borrow the money to do? Go and check. When I was teaching about money, I told you that the one, if you are doing business, you can borrow money to invest. You can use it to expand your business. The prophet said to the woman, borrow vessels. Are you with me? She didn't have the capacity to handle what was coming. It was a business enterprise. There was going to be multiplication. What did he say to her? Borrow vessels. You can. But you are borrowing money for consumables. See, there is no transport. Or got trek. Trek with honor. Trek with honor. We are bored. So entertainment has crept into the church like a god. There are many sitting in this room. You can't shut down your phone for two days. You will die. You will die. Epilepsy. You know epilepsy? Would die. Let Holy Ghost come to you now and say this social media is killing you. Leave it for three months. Did you hear that? <laughs> like like a woman in labor. For three months, people will die. Because the Christian is bored. He needs things in this realm to keep him excited. Bro, why don't you know the Holy Ghost to the level that you can, he can crack jokes? He can whisper things into your ears that will stir you. That you are sitting on your own, you are laughing foolishly. You know, sometimes my wife will see me looking at the phone and smile and say, wait, wait till they look there. You know you can know Holy Ghost to the level that as you are sitting in the bus, you just, <laughs> the Holy Ghost, you, you're too much. <laughs> Those kind of people are never bored. There's nothing in Babylon that is attractive. There's nothing that Sodom or Egypt has that they are willing to pursue. But my generation is trapped. They are bored. If they are not bored, they are like Esau. The reason Esau's story is in the Bible is to show you that Esau was profane. The Bible says, let there be none amongst you like Esau that was profane and sexually immoral. Why did he call him profane? The Esau shape of a pilgrim is to show you that men who live like Esau they are willing to sacrifice a long-term spiritual inheritance for an immediate carnal gratification. So the Esau pilgrims, they are the ones that are, have become slaves of all kinds of lusts. Sexual, food, power, ambition. It has a hold on their lives. They don't, they don't have eternity in view. So they are willing to make sacrifice. Do you know that anybody who is a slave of masturbation, eh, 
One of the major problems with masturbation is that the devil promises you instant satisfaction. But he's sacrificing, you have to sacrifice your love and commitment to God for a gratification that will not last more than three minutes. That's the Esau pilgrim. So he comes back home hungry. I don't know whether in his life he heard that somebody died from hunger. And then Jacob offers him food. But what does he ask for in exchange? His birthright. Hmm. Hi. Help me, Holy Ghost. There are people who are sitting in church tonight. You have traded your inheritance for a pot of stew. And you know the painful thing about that story, dear brother? The Bible says Esau sought it with tears. But it was no longer available. And you see, don't call me a bad man. I'm just teaching. That's where some people are in their spiritual life right now. They are begging God every day. God is saying that ship has sailed. That train has left the station. Right now, the only thing available for you is to just go to heaven. Somebody else is now bearing that body. You didn't like the inheritance now. So you sold it for sexual pleasure. Sold it for money. Sold it for entertainment. And because that matter that God put on your life was urgent, he had to find another man to bear his body. Now you have come to Isaac. And Isaac is saying, there is no blessing left. That I have blessed Jacob and indeed he will be blessed. The Esau pilgrim. If you check carefully, you will find the Samson pilgrim. The Samson pilgrim is a hedonist. You know what a hedonist is? H E D O N I S T. Hotel, Echo, Delta. Oscar, November, Indigo, Sierra, Tango. H-E-D-O-N-I-S-T. A hedonist is a lover of pleasure. Pleasure. Samson wanted to please himself. He just liked pleasure, pleasure. And the area of his craving for pleasure was in women. A man so anointed, he could sleep with a prostitute and come out from the prostitute's room and craig it. Pleasure. Was a lover of pleasure. Huh. The, 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 a variation of that hedonist is Saul, King Saul. Something loved pleasure for himself. Saul, who was king, wanted to please who? The people. Are you with me? It was his desire to please people that removed him from covenant. So when you hear Apostle Paul teach, he says, if I choose to please men, I cannot Please God. I think that's Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. Give me Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. Let me see. 
Give me Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. I think that's Galatians 1. Aha. For do I now persuade men or God? Paul is asking a question. Or do I seek to please men? For if I please men, I will not be a bond servant. So you cannot, you cannot, if you choose to please men, you cannot please God. Saul uprooted himself from covenant because he was always wondering. His concern was the people. You see, dear brothers, dear sisters, the Christian life, I've taught you many times, is warfare. It's a fight. You need to live battle ready every day. It's a battle for your soul. The Christian life. And you see, when you study the life of Apostle Paul, he will show you the life of a consecrated pilgrim. A consecrated pilgrim. One who is sold to the Lord. Look at what he said. I will not be a bond servant, a slave of Christ. Paul is the image of a pilgrim consecrated to God. Lord, this life is yours. Do with it as it pleases you. If you don't come to the place like Paul where you are a bond servant, you will not be prepared for when the Son of Man comes. He's coming. He's coming. And you know, the reason I'm teaching this is that there have been teachings in the body of Christ over the years and I may not be able to deal with it in depth tonight. I, I will follow the Holy Ghost. Maybe I'll continue next week. More scriptures, more explanations. This teaching, I will just stay with the Holy Spirit. There have been teachings in the body of Christ over the years. That when Jesus returns, we will be raptured. And then the tribulation will begin in the end, in the end. Have you heard that teaching? So the average Christian is preparing for rapture. So if you ask a Christian, are you rapture ready? They'll say, yes, I'm ready for rapture. Because they are thinking that before any tribulation happens in the earth, they would have escaped. So in the body of Christ, there are three blocks when they speak about the second coming of Jesus. There is pre-tribulation rapture, there is mid-tribulation rapture. And then there is post-tribulation rapture. What did I say is the first one? Second one? Third one? Now, what is the correct perspective of Scripture? Now, today, eh, the only person I want to quote today, hmm, if the Lord permits me, Tomorrow, I mean next week, I will go to Daniel, I will go to Revelations, and then I will establish more truth. But the one person I want to quote today is Jesus. Who do I want to quote? Jesus. You see, many people can attack many things in Scripture. But the things that Jesus said, eh, I believe with all my heart. When Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, you can say, and culture is affecting the text. Hmm? You can say, the, it was written 
to them, but it was written for you. So it was not written to you. It was written to them. You can say many things. But the things that Jesus said, huh? the words that he speaks, they are spirit and they are life. Everything in the Christian faith, Jesus Christ modeled Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He showed us how a man ought to live in this realm. Are you ready? Matthew 24. Give me verse... Is it 3 now? Give me verse 3 first. Yes. So, please, please. If you don't have a Bible open on your lap, hmm, follow this thing verse by verse. Maybe next week, Sunday, because these are critical teachings, I will not teach long so that we can discuss. People can ask questions so that we can go a little deeper. Hmm? Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, who is he there? The disciples came to him privately, telling us, are saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Which things? He was telling them about the destruction of the temple. Are you with me? And then they added another one. And what will be the sign of your coming? And so which things is he talking about here? There are three things that he's going to talk about here now. One, first, he's going to tell them about the destruction of the temple. Two, he will tell them about the sign of his coming. Three, he will tell them about what? Are we in agreement to that point? Next verse. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5. For first time, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will do what? Go to the next verse. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But what? Are we together? So when you are hearing Earthquakes, this, and people say the world goes to end. What did Jesus say? The end is not yet. Are you with me? These things that are happening in the body of Christ right now, when many people are coming hmm, and claiming that they represent Jesus, the goal of that whole enterprise is to deceive many. I am the war, I am the light, I am the this. I have powers that I have not used. Eh? Hmm? The goal is deception. It's the oldest trick in the book. And this is why a generation that thinks that the whole essence of the Christian faith is manifestations will be prone to deception. A generation that is, that is craving, craving for miracles, for signs. They came to him. They said, give us signs. He said, this perverse generation, what other sign do you need? Apart from the sign of Jonah. What other sign do you need? If the sign of Jonah cannot convict you that I am the Messiah, what other sign do you need? A generation that wants to teleport. 
A generation that wants to go through walls. These spectacular things are nice, but that's not the essence of the Christian faith. You know, many of us don't brood over certain things. As Philip teleported and teleported, he still died. Huh? Philip died. Peter's shadow, the Bible says, Peter's shadow healed the sick. That scripture troubled me. The Bible says that people brought their sick to the road that paradventure Peter's shadow will fall upon them and they will be healed. Do you know what paradventure means? Mistakenly. So Peter was not going about saying shadow healing ministries international. <laughs> eh? That's why some young men will never have the anointing. Because they will build a camp around it and try to make themselves God to their generation. Peter was living his life. The Bible was telling us that it was Peter's normal life. But people suddenly found that if Peter's shadow is cast upon the sick, people get healed. So the people now started waiting for him. They said, Peter, 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 they are in So they announced, okay, we'll go with him. So Peter comes down from Keke at NRA Junction as he's walking. People are looking for the shadow. They say, put her inside. <laughs> then he began to spread. I, I know a young man. If he has that kind of anointing. <laughs> Hula. Protocol will be holding the shadow. Lebo <laughs> Lokove. Protocol. We'll be around the shadow. we mopo. Some will begin to charge. Ten minutes in the shadow. <laughs> 150,000. Ten minutes. So if you want to stay longer in the shadow, I'm not sure you can afford it. <laughs> but Peter just lived that life normally. And yet when he wanted to die, hmm? when he wanted to die, with that level of miraculous, they cut him asunder like meat. Hmm? And heaven did not panic. Nothing happened. He died. Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, the end is not yet. So you see, as difficult as these things are right now, the end is not yet in sight. Nations are fighting. Russia is fighting Ukraine. A coup just happened in Niger. Wars are happening. <laughs> Famines, pestilences, earthquakes. Jesus said, it is not yet the end. You are going to live through these things. In those countries where war is happening, there are Christians there. Eh? Women have held their young children. And a bomb. I saw a children's hospital 
raised down by a bomb. Some of the children that died in that hospital, their parents are tongue-talking, demon-chasing, blood-bought. There was no emergency in heaven. Some of those mothers cried. Some of those fathers wept. Huh? God didn't get up from his seat. <laughs> you know what? You will go through it. Because your faith is not truly your faith until it has been tested. We don't know what you truly believe until you have been put under pressure. A Christian is to live battle ready. Battle ready. The Christian life is a fight for survival. Because things are competing for your attention in this realm. And the goal is that if it is possible, many will be deceived. Verse 8. Move with me. All these are what? The beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So nations are fighting nations. There is famine, hunger. You know now you can't live without fufu. Eh? Food is like a god to you. So my only problem is that the Holy Ghost has been telling me to fast, but I don't know why. I cannot live without food. Ah. It means therefore that when the famine starts, you will bow to Satan. You will do anything for food. Imagine losing the banner of faith just because of a plate of rice. Imagine. All these years that you have been alive, God has been trying to train you to have control over your stomach. Because food will become a matter in the last days. Famines will arise. Even now, some Christian girls cannot survive famine. They will sleep with a boy just so that they can have money to buy food. And you know the funny thing, bro? Jesus said, this is not even the real matter. It's just what? The beginning of sorrows. Do you know what this means? That the real thing, there will be sorrows. This is just the taste. It's the entry point. The real thing, there will be sorrows. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. This is not the great tribulation. This is just persecution that you will suffer because you bear the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. He said, Blessed are you when men persecute you for what? Righteousness sake. Verse 11. Blessed are you when men persecute you for my name's sake. I tell people if your Christianity is true, you will suffer persecution at those two levels. If your Christianity is true, you will suffer persecution for righteousness' sake. That means people will just naturally hate you because you like to do the right thing. 
Just because you live right, they will hate you. In the office, your colleagues will hate you. You will be persecuted. You see, they will even lie against you. Hmm? And then you will lie down and say, Oh God, I didn't do it. Come and glorify your name. Don't let me be put to shame. Then you cry. Pray for eight hours. Angels come and minister unto you. Then you get up as you are going to the office. You are confessing. Say, I'm more than a conqueror. The Lord stays a lying tongue against me. I am a child of the Most High. And you enter the office. They punish you. God does not deliver you from the punishment. Throughout the time you are in that office, they will keep looking at you saying, I ain't thief the money. Even the person that stole it will be using it to mock you. They even demote you, reduce your salary. They say, we are doing you a favor. If not, we would have sacked you. Every day you are under shame. And Satan will be coming to whisper in your ear. See what serving Jesus has done. He's trying to make you deny Jesus. But in the middle of that, the Bible says, Blessed are they. <laughs> when you are persecuted for righteousness. See? The second level is that you are persecuted for his namesake. The Bible says it's just the beginning of sorrows. He said they will deliver you up to tribulation. You will be hated by all nations. For what? My name is Ten. And then many will be offended. Because people have not been trained. You need the church. doesn't like to teach these kind of things. Eh? Many will be offended. Betrayals will begin to happen. We have not entered the gisto. This is just what? The beginning of sorrows. They will begin to hate one another. Eleven. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive what? Because in the midst of that chaos, some men will now rise. And those people who have decided to stand with Jesus, they will now begin to mock them. Just as it was in the days of Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was saying, Babylon will destroy Jerusalem. Prophets rose that were telling people, be at peace. This man is a liar. Just the way when people hear people like me talking, they say he's a, he's a child. It's Pastor Oji that was telling me, when I was teaching at Makodi and I was talking about music, somebody came up there to comment. What was the comment again? He's a child in the things of God. Hmm. He's a child. In the things of God. So the whole idea is to make you comfortable. Think that these people are extreme. God is too loving now. Why will he allow you to go through that? The thing is that he's seeking for something. What is he seeking for? Faith. <laughs> and if you've read scriptures, there's something called the trial of your faith. If your faith has not been tried, you can't come out as pure gold. If you've not been given the opportunity to deny Jesus, we do not know whether you truly believe him. It's when you have been given the opportunity to deny him, and you say, I will not deny him, then we know that your profession is true. 
Many have denied him in the secret for three minutes of sexual pleasure. Many have denied him for money to pay house rent. Many have denied him for the opportunity of a position. Your faith will be tested. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, what will happen? The love of many will wax cold. Oh my God. 13. But he who endures till when? The end. Is the one that shall be saved. So it means that if you don't endure to the end, your salvation is not perfected. Is he, this is Jesus, so don't forget me. We are just quoting Jesus. Then somebody will tell you, you can't lose your salvation. Jesus said, is he that endures to the end. That shall be saved. 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then what will happen? So he has gotten to the end now. So the kingdom will be preached. Right now, there are nations where the gospel has not been preached. There are, there are missionaries that have not been able to pervade or permeate or to invade those areas. So any end that you are looking for is not coming now. It's one of the signs. Now let's go to 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, Kai, I will explain that more. In the book of Daniel, Daniel begins to speak about a desecration that occurs in the temple. That's the first time this word is, is used. Okay? So we'll explain that next week. Spoken by, by Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, 16. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. 17. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything of his house. 18. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a what? Great tribulation. Now we are entering the gist. Such has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, 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 ever shall be. Now, who is he talking about here? Somebody might say, well, he's talking to the Jews. Let's go further. And unless those doors, those days were shutting, no flesh will be what? Read the next line. For whose sake? Who is the elect? The saved. Brother, the elect will be here in the great tribulation. Jesus said, if not for the elect, those days will be extended. But because the elect are involved, he says those days will be what? Shortened. The great tribulation would have started and the elect will be here. Oh, what's the name of that series? Left Behind. If you know the way I loved that movie. I watched it. Watched it. It was a sweet movie, but it's not doctrinally correct. 
Because he left behind, those who were the elect have been raptured. Eh? And then it's the people that refused to serve Jesus that were left. All of us will be here. You are not escaping anywhere. In fact, the best thing that can happen to you, if you've not been properly prepared, is that you die before he comes. If you are still alive, you will go through the furnace. And the Bible says, it is like a period that has never been seen before. And there will be nothing like it after it. Next verse. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. 24. For false Christs and false prophets will rise. And what would they should do? Show great signs and wonders. To deceive, if possible, who? The elect. In the midst of the tribulation, I know you want to levitate. You will see men levitating. You like Philip transport, men will be doing Philip transport. And if that is all that defines your Christianity, you will be deceived. He says they will show great signs and wonders. And their aim is that if it is possible, even the elect will be deceived. 25. See! What did Jesus say? I have told you beforehand. Remember, the posture of the Christian is preparation. Oh, to the mountain of fire we've come to behold the lion and the lamb on the throne. Oh, to the mountain of fire We've come to behold the lion and the lamb on the throne. On the wings of the wind, on the wings of the wings, on the chariots of Do not go out. Luke is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Let's verse. Walk with me. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. You cannot predict where it's going to happen. Next verse. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Next verse. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 30. Then, what will happen? The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven. 
and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and will see the son of man now the second coming of jesus are you with me so when the son of man comes those that have been in the tribulation will he find faith then they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with what power and great glory next verse and he will send his angels look what will happen now the harvest the ingathering and they will gather his elect from where the four winds from one end of heaven to the other that is when the rapture i have a question for you tonight are you ready for the rapture And when I ask you if you are ready for the rapture, I'm not asking you whether you are ready to meet with Jesus. I'm asking you, are you ready to survive the tribulation? Because before we will be taken, we will go through this. And you see, Satan, if he knows you have a weakness, he will exploit it. That's why right now, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Present your bodies. Anything in this, your body, that can be a gateway for you not to endure to the end. Lay it as a sacrifice. Put your life on the altar. Somebody might say, eh, but the other, the other people, they have arguments for their own. You know what I used to tell people that come to meet me? I show them Matthew. And when I finish telling them what Jesus said, I say, all these things you are quoting in Thessalonians, in Daniel. Daniel never mentioned years. All these things are being assumed. People are trying to read things into the text. Say, three and a half years, show me in the Bible. They are reading things into the text. Okay, if you want to believe pre-tribulation rapture, I will cancel you. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. I will cancel you. Because if you enter into a state of comfort and think that you will escape and then you find out that the abomination of desolation is now standing in the temple and the tribulation has begun and you are still here, you are not prepared to survive. It's then you will know that Kaki no be leather. It's then you will know that by the time they begin to test your faith, if they put fire in your bomb bomb, eh? they put fire in that your golden bullocks. Eh? If they put fire there, you will say things that you did not do. You will want that fire to stop burning. Anything they tell you to do, you will do it. Just so that that fire will stop burning. Do you know why when you want to join a confraternity, initiation is brutal ask those people that are like me that that were once in a confraternity my initiation night by the time they finished with us we could not walk eh? we could not walk the way we got back to our hostel is that they carried us and put us on bike then the bike got to the front of your cell and did like this and we fell on the ground we could not walk when they finish drilling you, you will know that you have become a man. You know why? So that if police catch you, eh? 
there is no way they will drill you, then you will start to sing. No matter what. You've seen worse things in the bush. The thing they used to drill us, two men needed to carry it on their shoulder. Huh. I don't want to call it the name we used to call it. They carried it on their shoulder. If you see their boots, they come prepared to quack you, to kill you. So that your weakness dies in the bush. You come out of the bush. That's why they call you a strong man. Two people carried it on their shoulder. You know that thing in cartoon? Cartoon. That when fear comes, the person is shaking like this. I, I experienced it live. You know Tom and Jerry? Tom's spirit will run out of his body like this. <laughs> and come back. I experienced it live. Live. And they cannot be drilling you and you are crying. Say, oh, he's not a strong man. Then you will not be hearing them whispering. Kill him. Kill him. This kind of guy, kill him. You will hear people there crying, My mommy! My mom. Grown men. The whole idea is so that if they catch you on the other side, no matter how they quack you, they'll say you belong and not belong. You will never sink. Sometimes when the quacking becomes too much, you will tell them a lie. They will now think they've gotten information from you. Everything you told them is false. You will never say the truth. That is for a confraternity. Can you defend Jesus with your life? Elohim, Israel. Stand on your feet. Yeshua. Amasia Hello Israel Israel. Israel. 
quicken me, oh God. Wow. A young lady should pray. My body will not put me in trouble. There's a young lady. I, I feel the pain of the Lord for you right now. Beg the Lord. This my body will not put me in trouble. Daddy, help me, oh God, to conquer my body. I present my body tonight as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. And a holy body Daddy, help me. How is it that men were able to love not their lives? Even unto death. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. That the pressures of this world will not destroy me. That the pleasures of this world will not destroy me. Help me, Lord. I hope you are not just looking. I hope you are praying. Elohim, Israel. El Elohim, Israel. Help me now, Lord. Will you not help me, O oh God? I will live as a consecrated pilgrim. I am the Lord's born servant. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I may not have so much money. Oh, my brother, my sister. We don't have plenty of money. If God does not help us, who will help us? You hear me announcing every day that we need support to build the church. Brethren, it's not money that defines your destiny. You need to know Jesus and be willing to defend your faith if you have to defend it with your own life. If there is something that I'm in love with, oh God. If there is something that I've become a slave of, oh God. That will cause me to deny my faith. Tonight you don't need anybody to motivate you. You can kneel down, you can lie down. And say, Lord, help me, I am a liar. I am lost. I have contaminated my vessel. But help me that I be wrapped already. That I be wrapped already. That I be wrapped already. So that when I go through the tribulation, there is nothing that Satan has that he can use to sway me. Help me, Lord! El Elohim, Israel! El Elohim! 
help us. A generation cries here tonight. Help us. Help us in Africa. Help us in Zambia. In Zimbabwe. In Kenya. Help us in Namibia. Help us in South Africa. Help us in Egypt. Help us, oh God, in Libya. Help us. Help us in Argentina. Help us in North America. Help us in South America. The church cries. The church cries. The church. Hello, Israel. restoration is happening in this house I see three people your joy is returning your Christian life had become so dry you've been begging God three people I see you in the spirit there's a freshness a sweetness a great well of water bursting forth in your spirit the joy of the Lord is coming back you don't need what the world is selling to find joy. There is joy in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. El Elohi Israel. El Elohi Israel. Thank you, Lord. I see people who need to give their lives to Christ tonight. I've never been born again. But I want to be among the elect. How does a man get born again? The Bible says you confess with your mouth. You believe with your heart first. What do you believe? That the death of Jesus has brought you justification. And you are no longer a candidate of the wrath of God. And then you confess with your mouth unto salvation. Never been born again. The Lord tells me that there are people here. Never be born again. I want to give my life to Christ. Come now. 
a part of the reason we are teaching this series. Come now, come now. I want to be saved. If there's never been a day in your life that you confessed with your mouth. Come now. Christianity is not the joining of a denomination. That your parents are Christians and you grew up in church does not mean you are born again. On site, online. If you are online, just say I'm the one. I want to get saved. But there are people in this hall. I don't know. Come. Jesus, I am Lord. The Lord bless you. I Come. am your own. Wherever you are, I, I don't know. I, I see three people, so that's why I said people. I didn't say person. To the day you will come. Where are you? Come. Jesus, I am Lord. Come quickly. Come quickly. We are behind time. I am your own. The Lord bless you. I'm waiting for the last person. I am Come quickly. Come quickly. Today don't struggle. You will come. Don't struggle. Don't struggle. Jesus, I am your home. Oh, I am your home. I am your home. I am your home. Till the day you will come. Jesus, I Welcome home, brother. 